Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Find out how RAIN can help you stay ahead of global events at rainnetwork.com. This is Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast with critical insights you need to know. I'm Emily Donahue and I welcome you. When Israel and Lebanon signed a U.S.-mediated maritime deal, after last-minute negotiations, no less, it opened, if not a door, maybe a window that long had been closed. Or did it? Emily Hawthorne has the down low. She's Rain's senior Middle East and North Africa analyst. Welcome back to the show, Emily. Thank you. So, as we all know, the devil is in the details. What exactly did Lebanon and Israel just agree to? So, Lebanon and Israel just agreed to demarcate their disputed maritime border. But that's really just about it. They, um, there are other aspects to the agreement that um, allow both countries to get royalties um, from the exploration of a gas field, um, that that straddles the boundary that they've agreed to. Um, but that's really pretty much it, is the uh, official demarcation of a maritime boundary, uh, which really is the only uh, officially recognized boundary between these two countries. Um, and then also this agreement that both countries can get royalties from the exploration of offshore gas for um, any field that straddles that agreed-to boundary. There's a lot of other issues between these two countries, and this agreement does not really touch on those issues, including demarcating a land boundary, but uh, and and also not ending the state of war that is still um, technically ongoing between these two countries. But it is really notable in so much as um, we have, uh, even without final approval, which still has to come from both governments, we have... Uh, for the first time in many, many years, uh, some agreement around um, where one country's uh, territory ends and where one begins. And that's going to allow both countries to really focus more on offshore oil and gas exploration. Um, And that's really one of the big motivators to this agreement. Emily, you mentioned motivators, but when it comes to benefits, who might benefit the most from this? And maybe you could tell us how as well. So because this is pretty much just a maritime border demarcation, and because the primary motivator was um, economic for both of these governments, the Israeli and the Lebanese governments, uh, it's very much first and foremost about gas. And Israel is the party that is going to most immediately benefit. And that's because Israel can um, immediately start extracting gas. um, And it has been planning to start extracting gas from one of the uh, sort of gas plays that's in this area, the Karish field. They've been uh, really putting in place a lot of the infrastructure to do that, working with international firms, putting in line investment, etc. Um, Lebanon really doesn't have anything uh, 
established in terms of oil and gas exploration. They're very, very eager to start doing oil and gas exploration. And that's, again, one of the big motivators to this agreement even being struck is this need that Lebanon feels right now, three years into a, a very severe financial crisis, this need that they feel to develop any resources that they can get their hands on. Um, and uh, But for Lebanon, it, it's not going to be an immediate benefit. It's going to take time for them to line up um, international companies and investment and, and really um, even see what is possible. Um, the gas play that um, falls very sort of firmly within the Lebanese territory is the Kana gas play. And it's not really clear um, because it hasn't been explored. It's not really clear how much gas is there. So while the um, sort of Israeli side of the boundary has more sort of known uh, reserves and Israel can can start working on them immediately, it's not immediately clear that the Lebanese side can do that. Um, that said, it is a benefit to both of them. And um, the Lebanese government wouldn't have agreed to this if they didn't think that there was going to be some economic benefit for them from those gas reserves, um, uh, hopeful gas reserves in the future. Um, but also Lebanon does have um, another factor that is going to make it harder for Lebanon to benefit immediately. And that's the fact that the Lebanese government is at this moment much more dysfunctional than the Israeli government in terms of being able to implement policy. Um, and in order for any um, future gas extraction from um, this sort of untested play to turn into government funds that can then turn into something that would benefit the population, it's going to require a lot of steps and it's going to require really some economic reforms that Lebanon has not really proven capable of conducting or implementing in recent years. So um, I say all that to point to the reality that Israel economically is going to benefit more immediately than Lebanon, but both countries are going to benefit uh, economically in the long term if they can maintain this boundary and if there is gas to be had on both sides of the boundary and if they can um, sort of abide by this agreement to share some of the royalties um, from any gas play that straddles uh, the boundary. Um, but I do think that there, we could also spend some time thinking about the political benefits and the security benefits from this, which the political benefits are complicated because there are detractors of, of this agreement on the Israeli side and on the Lebanese side. There are those within Lebanon that think too many concessions were given to the Israeli side. And there are the same sort of voices in Israel, although I think less than on the Lebanese side. So politically, um, the impact is is mixed. But I think in terms of bilateral relations between the two countries, certainly there's a benefit in terms of establishing a modicum of stability between these two countries, which have been at war technically for many, many years. So there's that um, as well, that sort of political impact. So um, let's talk a little bit about the window opening. Could this deal possibly lead to more cooperation between the two countries? I think that it could lead to more cooperation between the two countries. And I think that that's one reason why a lot of Lebanon and Israel watchers are really very, very focused on this issue right now and are curious what this could portend for their future, because even though it's it's highly unlikely that Lebanon and Israel normalize their ties in the near future, the fact that they are 
negotiating with each other, acknowledging each other. Um, and the fact that this basically, uh, this agreement means that Lebanon and Hezbollah within Lebanon um, has recognized Israel, has actually recognized Israel as an entity that can be negotiated with. And that um, in some ways goes against what uh, the, the sort of very purpose of Hezbollah being this this militant and political body that, that exists to try and destroy Israel. Um, it sort of, it almost feels anathema to their entire ideology, but there's a degree of, of pragmatic realism on Hezbollah's part uh, that in order for Hezbollah to ever benefit economically or for Lebanon to ever have a chance of benefiting economically from um, any of the offshore oil deposits, oil and gas deposits, that there has to be um, something of this tacit recognition of Israel. But this this is really, really notable. And that's the component of it that opens this question of whether there is the possibility for more cooperation between the two countries. Because in essence, we've sort of crossed something of a Rubicon um, in terms of Hezbollah's willingness to recognize Israel. And I, and I don't mean to say that Hezbollah and the Lebanese government are one and the same, because they're not. And anybody that follows Lebanon knows that. But anybody who follows Lebanon knows that Hezbollah is a component of the Lebanese government and is also a very, very powerful um, non-state actor that holds arms in Lebanon and operates on its own interests. And that the sort of key um, primary goal that it has is uh, sort of protecting against um, Israel and also ultimately, as they say in their, their own charter, um, attacking Israel and and working to make sure that Israel doesn't exist. Um, and so I think the fact that uh, uh, that we have this agreement that we know Hezbollah has, has signed off on is this really notable step. I think the next question is, could they negotiate a land border? Um, there are some really prominent land disputes between um, Lebanon and Israel. Um, the the land border essentially, uh, uh, you know, follows along a, a UN um, protected and mediated line, but it's not technically um, the recognized land border um, in terms of being recognized by both countries. Um, there's also uh, little pockets of territory, um, perhaps most notably the Sheba farms um, that uh, the there are those in Beirut that say the area is, you know, Lebanese territory and Israel's occupying it. And Hezbollah even uses that area as a sort of a justification for carrying arms um, uh, against Israel. So there's still a lot of land territory disputes that, that, that need to be ironed out in order for there to be more stability within this part of, of the region. But this maritime border demarcation opens up the possibility of that. And I think that that's really notable. And um, I think it's fair to say that both countries do. Another way that they benefit is this um, slightly decreased likelihood of outright conflict between them. Um, Hezbollah and Israel have clashed numerous times. Um, the most famous is the sort of month-long war in 2006. But there have been other really serious incidents cross-border incidents between Hezbollah and Israel um, in more recent years. And it's possible that if we're in a place where Hezbollah is willing to even acknowledge Israel tacitly, that we could be looking at um, more de-escalation between these two countries. And that would benefit 
certainly the people that live in Lebanon and Israel, um, but it would ultimately benefit, um, you know, anybody who is uh, visiting this region. Um, this is known as one of the sort of tense borders in the region and, and this possibility of slightly less tension um, portends um, just a little bit of more peace in the Middle East. But we'll have to see because we don't exactly know what, what's going to happen. And, and as we said in the beginning, this is primarily uh, very much a maritime border demarcation focused on both countries' ability to develop offshore gas reserves. But it's impossible not to dream of what might be possible because of it. Well, thank you for that analysis, Emily. Thank you. Emily Hawthorne is Rain's Senior Middle East and North Africa Analyst. You can read her work in Rain Worldview, which is Rain's geopolitical intelligence solution for security professionals. Learn more about Rain Worldview at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thank you for listening. <laughs>